0: Are we doing levels again?
1: No, this is the beginning of the podcast, Jared. <laughs> this, <laughs> It's episode eight of the Something for Nothing podcast. I know. I, I'm here. We don't for need it. to do levels. We're not professionals.
0: We're going to keep that in? Sure. We're going to keep that oh, in. Why boy. not? Okay.
1: Haven't you heard podcasts that start with stupid stuff like that? We should be one of those podcasts that oh. just starts with stupid stuff. Oh, okay. Not that we haven't done that before. Right. But anyway, this is episode eight of Something for Nothing. Uh, we're going to talk about 2112 today. The Part second two, half, the second half, the lesser known half of 2112.
0: Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, I would say
1: so. Right. Uh, first, I want to mention that you can find us on Twitter, at Rush Instagram, The RushCast, email, therushcast at gmail.com, and there you go. Right. Interact with us, talk to us, tell us what you think of the podcast. We really want to hear your feedback so we can make this better for you. Uh, the Rush listener, who knows much more about Rush than probably we do.
0: Absolutely. As we're coming to learn.
1: Well, look, we never said that we were the, the greatest Rush fans on earth. No. We just wanted to do this podcast to talk about Rush and hope you enjoy it. That's it. That's exactly right. That's it. And if you can make us smarter and make us better, podcasters, we'd love you to do that for us. Sure. Yeah. And I also want to mention the base intro for our podcast is done by our good friend Lex. We thank him for that.
0: Yes. And don't forget, everywhere you can listen to our podcast...
1: Yes. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean is where they're hosting us, right? Right. Stitcher. And Stitcher.
0: You can also listen directly, stream it directly from our Podbean page, which is somethingfornothing.podbean.com.
1: And that may be easier than what you're doing now. Right.
0: So do it. So
1: just, well, yeah. Listen however you'd like to. Just please keep listening. We'd love to have you listening.
0: Yeah. Imagine the whole thing in your head, perhaps. I don't know if they should do that. Go to go see the Oracle.
1: So I think before we get into side two, we should talk about... The album cover. The album, album art. cover art, which as uh, as we discussed earlier, everything after Fly By Night was done by uh, Hugh Syme. Yes. So he came up with this one, uh, which looks like um, the Red Star of the Solar Federation yep. um, either shining through water or shining onto On water. On water, yep. Something like that.
0: Nice and simple.
1: Nice and simple.
0: But the most enduring symbol i guess the most enduring symbol is the one on the inside
1: right it's the starman logo which uh, has sort of become rush's logo i yeah. don't know if that's unofficial logo i don't think that's what they intended to become their logo no they didn't but it's kind of become their logo people kind of make fun of the naked man on the logo
0: yeah well they should look so good
1: who is that naked man on the?
0: No, oh, i didn't again research research
1: i don't know if he is a person he, he looks oh, like he's a drawing yeah i think it's just art maybe it's alex Could be. He wishes, I think. (laughs) Especially now, I think he wishes.
0: But it's a great uh, representation of what the song 2112 is about. If the star is the red star of the Soul Federation, this is the guy fighting against the star. So this is the
1: protagonist guy.
0: Yes. He's just like, hey, stop with the Federation stuff.
1: And as we discussed in the previous podcast, he kills himself, according to what according we... According to what I think. According to what you think, he committed suicide at the end of the song, yes. at the end of soliloquy.
0: Yep. Prove me wrong. Never I, want to I, prove you wrong, Jer. No, I, I want I want to hear other people's All right, well, uh, ideas of what happens at the end of the song. I think
1: guy. we should ask people to email you, since you're handling our email. Yep, email me. TheRushCast at gmail.com. Yep. Tell us why you think, or why you think Jerry's wrong... About this guy yeah, killing and himself. And what happens to this guy? And what happens to him? Could anybody really definitively say that you're wrong? Though could they? They could have a different opinion. I don't. It, I, I can't I, answer I think that question. Only it's Neil. Only Neil could email you and say you're wrong.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: Anyone else could say I. Th- I have a different opinion about what happened. But only Neil. Only Neil could just say Jerry, you're wrong, because well, he wrote it.
0: Neil. If you're listening,
1: <laughs> send me an email. He's probably the last person that is listening. Uh, Gotta be. Yeah. Of all the people on earth who could possibly listen, I think Neil probably would be the least likely to listen to our podcast. Don't you think?
0: The Dalai Lama? You think <laughs> he would listen? Before Neil?
1: I think so. Wow. Yes. The Dalai Lama. Dalai Lama, if you're listening, please email us. Yeah. Let us know. Why don't we talk about the pictures inside the album sleeve? Now, if you have the, uh, the remaster CD, you also have the
0: artwork. I have the CD that I had when I bought it. Does that have the artwork?
1: No, but it doesn't have it. Doesn't doesn't have these, ha- it
0: doesn't have the three photos, the one it with Alex. It doesn't have the three photos.
1: doesn't have the one with Alex with the hat.
0: Another interesting fashion choice, the
1: hat. Yeah, he didn't wear the hat in the picture that most people see on the CD you have. I think all the CDs have that picture, the three of them. The three of them. With the robes on.
0: Which, again, last episode we talked about going to see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes. Uh, induction ceremony. And... Dave Grohl, in his induction speech, said uh, one of the funniest things. I'm going to get it wrong. This is the exact quote. But he said that the picture of the three of them in their kimonos on the back of the album is still... (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. You can still see that picture on... Cameltoe.com or something <laughs> like that because of Alex, because of Alex's.
1: Yeah, he's got a he's got some camel toe going oh, on there. Boy,
0: it's not a good look. No, but <laughs> I don't know what I mean. It, if you, I remember hearing Getty talk about the fashion choices at this time in their career, which were basically non-existent. Right, they were walking around in some area of some town, and they saw these kimonos and they really like them or these i don't even know if they're really kimonos these silk pants and robes and they really like them so they just wore them
1: what the heck and again they were what 22 23 years old what did they know yeah what did you wear when you were 23 jared i don't even want to know yeah you don't want to know i don't
0: hot pants (laughs) hot pants and i'm sure if you could
1: go back and change your wardrobe and when you were 23 you would i I to change my wardrobe wardrobe now (laughs) well why don't you you're old enough to make your own choices here, That's Jay. true. So why don't we get into side two of 2112?
0: Oh, we, sh- we were going to talk about um, Ayn Rand. Oh. That's how you pronounce her name. I-, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Anne Rand. Ayn Rand. I've heard it all different ways.
1: However you pronounce it.
0: However you pronounce it. She uh, formulated a philosophy called objectivism. Yes. And now this is going back to what I remember about objectivism. I probably, again probably should have done a little more research probably yes this is, i'm a terrible host but objectivism is about succeeding as a person i did look up one quote i guess it was from her she said that objectivism is the concept of man as a heroic being with his own happiness as the moral purpose of his life with productive achievement as his noblest activity and reason as his only absolute okay which informs a lot of uh, russia's songs at this time in their career. Most notably, uh, Something for Nothing, right. we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. The very Randian song. Free Will? Free Will, a little bit, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Free Will, it really, I think, doesn't talk about the, the individual. But, you know, they while they don't really subscribe to the more stringent aspects of the philosophy, they definitely think of themselves as their work being the most important thing to them. Right. And achieving the- under their own direction.
1: But I think it's no coincidence that these themes were explored in this album when they were making this album that the record company didn't want them to make. Right. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. Yes, this is
0: the fruition of all of their work. Mm -hmm. This is their goal, and this is what they want to do.
1: And if they went down with the ship, they went down with the ship.
0: Went down with the ship, right. And
1: thankfully for us, they did not. Right. But I, I always interpreted Ayn Rand's stuff as live for yourself first, and then others second. No?
0: Um, Yeah, there's a little bit of, um, what's it called? I think it's called rational self-interest. But if everybody lived for themselves, then society would break down as a whole.
1: But, But your happiness should be, if not the important thing, one of the most important things in your life is to make yourself happy before others. No?
0: I think so. Is that I mean, what she's getting at? That's what she's getting at. Definitely. Right.
1: No, I'm not saying that that's what you should believe. I'm just trying to interpret what she, what she her believes. belief yeah. is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, I didn't read um, any of her other novels like Atlas Shrugged or The Fountainhead. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure how those themes play out in those books. I, I read them you... a long time ago. <laughs> I, I,
1: I could I could sit here and pretend I remember all of it, but um, they oh,
0: were you, good They were good books. You should totally pretend you remember. <laughs> Somebody will tell you whether or not it's... Oh, I'm sure. That's why I don't want to pretend. Oh, okay. Um, But there is one uh, thing I found, a quote, about what objectivism is really about. It's called objectivism because it's about what reality is absent what we think it is. And we talked earlier about, in a different podcast, in Hold Your Fire podcast, I think, Mm -hmm. about capital T truth versus lowercase t truth. Right. And this is kind of the, the uppercase t truth. The one quote or or description I said is of objective reality. Now, knowledge and values exist to be discovered by one's mind and are not created by one's thoughts.
1: Hmm. Interesting. That is interesting.
0: But I don't know, uh, you know, with most philosophies, they break down upon application in your daily life. So even though it's one thing to say, you know, live for yourself, there's no one else more worth living for. It's true, but if you only lived for yourself, you'd probably be alone, because nobody would could stand to be around you.
1: Yeah, I, but I, I think I think Neil's interpretation of it, and we're getting into something for nothing before we're talking about it. But I don't think he meant it in the strictest sense. But I think uh, maybe a lot of people don't think about themselves at all. They're always thinking about others, and yes. never themselves.
0: Right. Well, that would be the 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 song twenty one twelve. Right. Well, they're forced to think of others before themselves you know there is a something to be said for living only for other people that is also detrimental to yourself it's, yeah. a, it's a, like everything else in life it's a balance
1: yeah it's a balance you
0: got to do you got to do, do both you got to do what's right for you and also what's right for the people around you sometimes those clash
1: Hmm. but you can't focus all on one or all on the
0: other right can't all be about you Jer? no even though it is <laughs> most times
1: but it also can't all be about everybody else and right. not about you. Yes. Can't forget about yourself.
0: Right. Remember that, everyone, when yeah. you're around me. <laughs> um, but I think for Rush, they don't really uh, adhere to the, I guess, the political uh, fallout from that kind of thought. They're really talking artistically.
1: Right. In Rush's case, musically, they should absolutely, absolutely. live for themselves.
0: Yep. Musically. Mm-hmm. And that's and, what they do.
1: And absolutely. And that's what they've done. It's what they've always done.
0: And they're the success story of this type of philosophy. They do what's best for them. And everybody loves it. And, every, and, and people love it because they know that it's a true expression of who they are.
1: Right. Just like I was talking about a couple of weeks ago with Tai Shan, Jar. That's why you should appreciate <laughs>
0: Tai Shan.
1: And the other thing I wanted to mention is we got a lot of feedback. I forget what I, I was interacting with some of our, our Twitter followers and people love Tai Shan They sure. love it. Okay, more than you and I do.
0: It's a lot well, more than you do. Yeah, it'd be hard pressed to find someone who likes it less than I do.
1: Getty might like it less than you do. Well, we'll have to chat about that one day. One day. We keep bringing that up.
0: <laughs> we got. We got to make the call to Getty first I, before I, he's to come on. I up. believe if you say if you say something to the universe, it's going to listen to you. <laughs> this is why every morning I say, "I hope I find a million dollars on the front front step this morning." So far, it hasn't happened. Doesn't happen.
1: Let's move on to the first song on side two of 2112, A Passage to
0: Bangkok. A Passage to Bangkok.
2: Sweet Jamaican white greens, a golden the lights, and a vocal light, then Morocco and me.
0: a pretty straightforward song yeah about drugs about getting high (laughs) about taking uh, a weed holiday (laughs) about being a narcotic tourist
1: so do you think um russia's visit they they must have visited bangkok i would imagine
0: who knows it's just a it's just a a laundry list of places where you can go to buy some good weed i think (laughs)
3: <laughs> right yeah that's I mean, what, it's it really is.
0: what it is it's a don't get me wrong it is a great song and even though it, it, it might sound like you know like a, a throwaway song like I think I'm going bald or something like that It's. I don't not. think it is no, no it's totally not it is no. a great 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 song except uh, you're going to bring this up again I'm going to bring this up again that you don't like that I found out that there's actually a term for that a term for what? For that little series of notes. It's called the Oriental Riff. So they threw an Oriental riff
1: in they there. They threw ori- It's an Oriental song, Jer. Yeah. Is that well, wrong to say? It's, it's a song about the Orient. How about it's that? It's song is that about better? the
0: Orient, except they mentioned Jamaica. <laughs> which, <laughs> which is the one, I think the one lyric in there, which kind of veers off to a different Thank part
1: God they it. didn't throw any Jamaican music in there. <laughs> yeah,
0: really. Some kettle drums, maybe. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, again, shorthand for this is an exotic song and you know, it, that, I don't have a
1: problem with that. I really don't. It never struck me that way. I didn't take it as this is just stereotypical oriental music, you know,
0: maybe back in the seventies, it wasn't considered that, but it definitely is considered that now. I mean, you know, it the same, the riff that riff is also in, I think I'm turning Japanese, the vapors, um, the vapor song. And it's in a bunch of songs, but it's usually used to be like, oh, here here comes some foreigner to town. You know what I mean?
1: Thank God we're not discussing what the song Turning Japanese is about, Jared. I know. We should not discuss that.
0: Yeah. Well, now I want it (laughs) off air. You're going to have to tell me what you think the song is about. Do you know what the song is about?
1: I think I do, but we're going to discuss it (laughs) off the podcast. (laughs) How about that? Uh, so Alex said something interesting. This is something I found about a passage of Bangkok. Alex said the song was influenced by Kashmir, Led Zeppelin's "Kashmir."
0: Oh, is "Kashmir" also a, a drug song. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. "Kashmir" being the disputed territory between it's in uh, India, is yeah, it not? Yeah, between India and Pakistan,
1: perhaps. Maybe that's you where would all, know more than me.
0: All the good poppies are grown, perhaps.
1: And uh, the title, according to what I read, was a play on the E.M. Forster novel, A Passage to India. Okay. So it very well could have been, (laughs) and uh, Neil was probably stoned when he came up with it, so
0: who knows? I've never heard of that.
1: I've never heard of it either, but, you know, Neil probably read it because he's read everything. So there you go.
0: I did also read a quote from Alex saying that they were smoking a lot of marijuana
1: when they were recording this. Well, clearly. And thankfully.
0: Thankfully. Yeah, I mean... It, it, it definitely helped. I think so. Yeah. So this song, Litany of Places to Go and Get Stoned. Um, guitar solo, amazing. Yeah. Great. Again, it's, this at, is
1: one of the better songs on the on the record. I oh, think. yeah, definitely. Uh, if I were going to rank the songs on side two, I'd probably put this in Something for Nothing 1 and 1A. One
0: yeah, I agree with that.
1: All right. So I, uh, why, why don't we check out uh, track two on side two, which is... The Twilight Zone. The Twilight Zone.
2: You have entered the Twilight Zone. Beyond this world, strange things are known. Use the key and lock the door. See what your fate might have in store.
1: And Rush again discussing the Twilight Zone in a song, and they. Named the song "The Twilight
0: Zone" this time. Yeah, they loved the Twilight Zone.
1: They loved the Twilight Zone.
0: Which I don't disagree with. The Twilight Zone is one of the best TV shows ever.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I'd write a song about it though. I don't know if I love. I don't know if I love the Twilight Zone that much that I'd write a song about it.
0: Well, I guess if you're smoking a lot of marijuana, so I read. So I read something interesting that uh, the Twilight Zone was the last song that was written for the album. Yes, but it was the first single.
1: That is strange.
0: Yeah, I mean. I would think something for nothing would be the single. You would think. I can't uh, even believe they released singles from this album, considering that the the most important song on the album is twenty one twelve. Well,
1: maybe. Well, here's the thing: who decided what the single was, Jer?
0: Yeah, who knows? The record company. You think so?
1: Oh, sure, absolutely. That Rush didn't get to decide what the singles were. On signals, New World Man, they wrote that song just that was the last song written for the album. They wrote it because they had to fit it in. Yeah, they needed like three they, minutes. They on. needed three minutes and forty seven seconds. And that's exactly how long they made the song. And it was chosen as the first single on the record.
0: Yeah, it's a great song, though.
1: It is a great song. I'm just saying, they didn't pick it. They just decided, let's throw this song in there. You want another song? Here it is. They didn't pick that song song to be the single. I don't think they picked this one either. Interesting. Yeah. So the interesting thing I wish I had done, talk about doing research for the show... Each verse was based on a different episode of the Twilight Zone. Yep. Each of which I don't recall seeing. I mean, I watched a lot of the Twilight Zone when I was a kid.
0: Oh, I, I looked it up too. I remember both of them. Oh, do
1: you? Yep. The first one was "Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up?" Mm-hmm. And what what's that episode about?
0: Um, it's about some like troopers, state troopers or whatever, who come into like a rundown diner because they get re- they had reports of a UFO that crashed. And they okay. followed the tracks from the UFO to the diner. And when okay. they get there, they, there's a whole bus load of people. There's a bus that can't go over the bridge because it's snowing out or something like that. And so there were only six people on the bus, but there are seven people in the diner. Oh. So one of them has to be the, the Martian. The, the Martian. Huh. So you know, it's one of those typical paranoia-type Twilight Zone episodes. Huh. But the thing about the three eyes... What's right it, say? it says
1: uh it says take it off he's got three eyes beneath yeah. his hat the strangeness lies take it off he's got three eyes
0: yeah so the twist at the end of the episode is there's a phone call from the bus company or the state troopers or whatever to the diner and they say oh the bridge is ice free uh, so you could drive over it now so everybody gets back in the bus they drive you know away and a couple minutes later one of the guys from the bus walks back to the diner and the the cook or the the person who owns the diner is like, "Uh, didn't you just drive away in the bus?" And he goes, "Yeah, the bus crashed because I faked that phone call uh because I'm the Martian, and he has three arms. He like opens his coat and he's got three arms, and he says that the you know the Martians are coming to invade the earth, and I'm the scout, right just just to like lay groundwork or whatever. And the guy behind the counter has one of those paper hats on, you know, because he's the cook or whatever. Right. And he says, well, that's not going to be happening because I'm from Venus, and we're intercepting the Martian crafts right now because we are going to invade Earth. And he lifts up his hat and he has three eyes. Oh. And, this, and the show ends. Wow. It was a great episode. Yeah.
1: I'm sure. I, I don't. I don't recall. I don't recall that. And the other one.
0: The other good... one
1: is a stopover in a quiet town. First aired April 24th, 1964.
0: Tell us, Jer. Uh, A a couple wakes up in a house and as they go searching around the house, they realize that everything in it is fake. It's just a facade of a house. There's like fake food in the fridge. Uh, You know, the couches are made of just wood they're painted or something like that they go out of the town there's nobody in town all the trees look fake or whatever and finally they hear a train so they're like oh let's get on the train and get out of this creepy town they get on the train and it goes around it stops and it stops right back where it started and then they see like a little girl over them and it turns out that the little girl is from another planet and her father brought home two pets from earth hmm. those are the two people interesting that's another theme of the Twilight Zone. Lots of times people just get picked up from where they are and dropped off to some strange place and the whole episode is them trying to figure out where they are.
1: No wonder people in the 60s were so scared.
0: Whew. What a crazy... Wasn't <laughs> it the... What a crazy show. It really... It didn't start in the 50s?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
0: It, it's, it seems impossible that that show was around in the 50s. We always think of the 50s as being so straight-laced and this is one of the craziest shows yeah. in the world.
1: But at the time it was probably the only really show of its kind on oh, tv absolutely. i mean everything else was some of them are terrifying
0: oh yeah can you imagine
1: and at the time in? people
0: believe stuff like that
1: right like martians and people from venus were going to come take over
0: there's a great episode I, I can't remember what it's called but it's the one where there's a blackout on some street and everyone's like oh what's the blackout what happened to the blackout and then like somebody's lights will go on in their ha- in somebody's house and they're like why are lights on in that guy's house and then they'll go out and then somebody else's lights go on. And then it's just this huge paranoid thing. And at the end of the episode, everybody in on this street or in this town is fighting with each other because they don't know who anybody is. They're afraid that one person has caused the blackout for some nefarious reason. And why does his house have the lights on? And why is this happening over here? but not over here. And then they pan out and there's, Like, again, two aliens sitting on the top of the hill and they're flickering the lights lights on and off. And (laughs) the one was just like, I told you, we don't even have to fight them. They'll fight themselves. (laughs) It was like an anti-Cold War paranoia type of parable.
1: And when you're Neil, Getty, and Alex smoking weed watching that, man, it conjures up all sorts of great lyrics. Yep. And uh, this—it's—it's uh, it's a good song, but it's not one of my favorite Rush songs, to be honest with you.
0: No, it is a good song. Musically, it's a good song, and if you don't listen to the words too hard, it's a—it's a good song.
1: Yeah, but it's—it's it's not one of those songs that would be in my in the top half of my favorite Rush songs. It would no. be, be near the bottom. Not—not not a bad song, because no. most Rush songs I appreciate.
0: I think if we were at a concert and they played this, you wouldn't be like. Oh, great. They're playing the Twilight Zone. Right, right. I've never heard this song.
1: I would be glad they played it because I've never heard them do it. But um, I have to check to see. How how many times do you think they played the Twilight Zone in Concert Jar. Zero. You think?
0: I'm going to say zero. Uh,
1: Well, let's look. Eight times.
0: Eight times? Eight. They played it
1: eight times, probably on this tour, the 2112 tour, I would think. Yeah, maybe. But why don't we move on to the next song? On 2112, which is Lessons.
2: Sweet memories, flashing very quickly by. Remind of me, and giving me a reason why. I
1: is this the last song that Alex Lifeson wrote the lyrics for? I believe so. So he hasn't written lyrics for a Rush song since 1976. Yeah. And th- this, to me, sounds like a song that fits better on either by the Night. F- Fly By Night. Is That's what I thought. Yes. Or at the very least, the first album. Because, I don't know, it sounds like a Fly By Night song
0: to it me. It does, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was a holdover. Could have been. a extra song they had. I was reading that
1: Getty and Alex just decided that it would be cool for them to write lyrics to a song on uh, a song each on this record. Oh, really? Yeah, so they decided to do it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and I guess after that they decided not to do it. But uh yeah, this sound this sounds to me like, you know, just a very happy fly-by-night kind of, you know, we're on tour. Yeah, know. I don't
0: I I didn't really I don't really take it that way. Okay. It's a, not that it's not a, a happy little song, while it sounds happy. When I was listening to it and reading the lyrics along with it, I wrote down this is a Big middle finger to the doubters. Really? Yeah. Because he says in the lyrics, you know, uh, sweet memories flashing very quickly by reminding me, give me a reason why. I know that my goal is more than a thought and I'll be there while I teach what I've been taught. So, it, again, it, it's, a, it's a song about their creative process and sticking to their guns. Okay. And then later on, he says, sweet memories, I never thought it would be like this, reminding me just how close I came to missing. Mm -hmm. which seems to me like it might be a comment on trying to appease other people outside of the band. Right. They came that close to capitulating to whatever pressures they were feeling and they didn't. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: This fits in with the whole theme theme of the record. Fits in
0: with the theme of the record, right.
1: Absolutely. And I like this song. Yeah.
0: It says, I know that this is the way for me to go. You'll be there when you know what I know. And I know. And I know. So you'll, you'll be in the same spot he's in, which is sticking to your creative guns and being successful on your terms when you know what he knows about it. That's how I, how I take it.
1: And that's how it turned out too.
0: And that's how it turned out.
1: And interestingly, um, this song and the following song, Tears, they never played live. Not even once. Never?
0: Never. 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 I can see Tears. Yeah. Playing that live, but they never played Lessons Live. They never
1: played Lessons Live.
0: If I had known that, I would have wanted them to play it during R40.
1: That would have been great. Yeah. I would have liked to have heard them play
0: that. Yeah, it's a great song.
1: It's a good song, but I guess, you know, I guess they decided, I don't know whether they disliked the songs or not, but they just decided never to play them live. There are a few songs that they've never played live. Maybe it just didn't come up. Yeah. They were too busy playing all of 2112, thankfully. Yeah. And they decided to skip these two. So there you go.
0: I think that between um, "Passage to Bangkok" and "Something for, for Nothing," "Something for Nothing," these songs are more filler than some other right. song sequences on Rush albums. Again, not that they're bad. Right. They're just they're good songs, but they don't really fill out the album like other songs might have.
1: All right. Well, let's take a listen to a little bit of the next song, which is "Tears." This song was the lyrics were penned by Getty Lee. Getty Lee. As we just discussed.
0: Very sad song.
1: Yeah, very. So what are your thoughts on, on Getty's lyrical prowess here, Jared?
0: Oh lyrical prowess, well <laughs> it, uh, it's definitely a leaps away from the first album. I think uh, I
1: think Getty, especially when you listen to his solo record, I think he learned a lot from, from Neil.
0: Oh definitely, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I mean, his lyrics are much, much better.
0: Yeah, especially if you go from writing a song, your last song, lyrics you wrote were in 1976, and now you're writing a (laughs) solo album how many decades later.
1: You'd think from working with Neil for so many years, he would have learned a lot about lyric writing.
0: Yes, especially singing someone else's lyrics.
1: Oh, absolutely. He probably
0: worked, I mean, I know he did. He worked with Neil, not on the lyrics per se, but... On how the lyrics were presented, so that he mm-hmm. could sing them. So he learned that at least. That's like half the battle, right? But you know, it's a it's a it's a lovely little song.
1: I like this song too. Yeah.
0: Again, it's it's a weird song on this album.
1: When I listen to this album, I don't skip through these songs. I listen to them. Yes. So it's not like, well, you know, heck with that. I'm going to pass up tears. Yeah. But I, I do. I did want to mention that on the the 40th anniversary r- redo of 21, tw- 12. yeah they had other artists do versions of all the songs on the record oh. did you hear any of them no what happened where was i guess what band oh, did tears
0: guess what band did tears and i have to say
1: a, it's a, a, a great great rendition of tears probably i would say it's it may be better than the rush version because it c- fits this band perfectly hmm can you give me any hints Probably not. Well, I could give you a hint. Seattle, 1990s, they were big. One of the
0: Seattle bands. One of the Seattle bands. Obviously, it's not going to be Pearl Jam, is it? It's not Pearl Jam. Mud Honey? Singer, <laughs> the singer has passed
1: away. There's another
0: hint. Alice
1: in Chains? Alice in Chains. I'm telling you, it's great. No, I can see that. I definitely Can you I can totally sing? see Alice in yeah. Chains doing this song? Yeah. And it's it's perfect. If I, I wouldn't have thought of it, but- they're the perfect band to do this wow. song. And you ever hear that EP Jar of Flies with all those slow yeah that's those a great slow album. songs? Yeah, it sounds like it would fit right in that album. Wow, it's interesting. Yeah, how did that escape me? I don't know. I I thought I sent it to you when I heard it. I could have sworn I did. Hmm, maybe. You know what? I'll I'll throw it into the podcast. I'll I'll throw it in here. Oh, nice. Let Let's play a little bit of that. Okay, just so our listeners can can hear it. What? What do you think, Jerry?
0: <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Sounds great.
1: I'm I'm editing it in later, so Jerry hasn't heard it yet. <laughs> but I'm telling you, he's going to like it. He's going to like it. But it really it really fits Allison Chains perfectly, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can I can definitely see it even though I haven't heard it yet. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe i did hear it and forgot all about it all right a lot on of my mind Steve
1: let's move on to the last song on 2112 which which kind of wraps up things nicely i yep. think uh something for nothing
2: wow well, you got something for nothing
0: My favorite song on the album.
1: Yeah, I would say so. Really? I I, I still. I, well, twenty one twelve. After twenty
0: one twelve, it's my
1: favorite song on the album.
0: Well, sure, I, I agree with that. But I think like as a song that's under twenty minutes long. So you're not counting twenty one twelve as a song. No, it's just that twenty one twelve has so many different movements to it, and even though it's one song, it's just so you so long.
1: You can't say that that's your favorite song because it's really six songs
0: maybe it just the song is so catchy this song yeah it's great lyrics songs great solo the, everything this I would love be a good song.
1: name for a podcast i think oh
0: really you think so
1: yeah i think so mm, I, I would
0: <laughs> i would crowdsource that one and see what <laughs> see if you can come up with a better one <laughs> all right well
1: we'll we'll think about that
0: no but this is a like i said uh on the previous podcast this is a randian song mm-hmm it's a very randian song Cause it starts off with basically chastise. Well, I guess the whole song is chastising people who feel like others have to solve their problems or other people have to give them the impetus to do something. Mm-hmm. Cause it starts off with waiting for the winds of change to sweep the clouds away, waiting for the rainbow's end to cast its gold your way. Countless ways you pass the days. Just, you know,
1: waiting for something to happen. Waiting good for you. something.
0: Yeah. Waiting, waiting for, for something, something good to happen. Waiting for something good to happen instead of going out and making it happen. Right, making it happen. And again, these guys are young and they are very driven. Mm-hmm. So you can see how that attitude—oh, sure—is they're really thinking about that a lot. Whether or not it's it's a fair assessment of other people's lives, because you know there's always the question of why are people so good at certain things. Is Getty a great bassist because he was born a certain way to be a great bassist, or
1: did he just work harder than every other or he bassist? Just work harder
0: than everybody else. Like supposedly, uh, I'm I'm not a sports fan. Supposedly, you're not a sports fan. No, it was two different sentences. I cut him oh. off in half. I'm not really a sports fan, but I had read that supposedly Michael Jordan was like cut from his JV basketball team. Maybe. Was like the worst player on his JV basketball team. And the coach is like, listen, you should, you got to practice. <laughs> Basically, you got to practice more. And of course he took that advice to heart and practiced more than anybody else in the world. And he's even said that, you know, he didn't, he doesn't have natural ability. He practiced a lot. Yeah. Well, so, there's
1: something to be said for that because people who practice more than anyone else,
0: they get good. They get good. But, whatever it is they're doing. But there's all, oh, there's has to be something there that makes you practice. Yeah, there has to be some kind of drive.
1: I mean, that's why Getty's a great bass player, and I'm not because I didn't. I didn't practice a lot. I right. mean,
0: I, I practice some, like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Right, he practiced so much that calluses would come off, and his fingers would bleed. And
1: and that's why he's Stevie Ray Vaughan. or yeah. was, I agree.
0: So by saying, you know, criticizing other people that they're waiting around for something to happen, which is true, a lot of people do that, but also a lot of people aren't Neil Peart.
1: A lot of people are fine with that.
0: Yeah. Which is fine too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that, I would say that we're kind of fine that way.
1: So, so something for nothing is, and it's more of, what am I What am you're I? You're not going to get
0: a reward unless you put in the time. Unless you put in the work, you're not going to see a reward. You're not going to be Neil Peart if you don't practice 10 hours a day. Yeah, period. That's basically what it boils down to. Um, yeah, you don't get something for nothing. You don't get freedom for free. You don't get wise with the sleep still in your eyes, no matter what your dreams might be. Again, that kind of goes back to what we were talking about some of the songs on Power Windows. You can dream things, but you have to do them too. Middletown dreams. Yeah, you have to do something to make those dreams come true. Dreaming them isn't enough.
3: No,
1: I agree.
0: You don't get freedom for free. Again, you have to fight for things that you want.
1: According to uh, Neil's book, Traveling Music, which uh, I did not read all of, I don't think, Neil uh, saw some graffiti at the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles before a show. And on the wall, it said, freedom isn't for free. And that's where he- Interesting. He got the inspiration to write this song. Wow. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I really love the, the last part of the song. You know, what you own is your own kingdom. What you do is your own glory. What you love is your own power. What you live is your own story. In your head is the answer. Let it guide you along. Let your heart be the anchor, and the beat of your song. That's great. Yeah, that's that's their musical philosophy,
1: and it really is the uh, philosophy of this this whole record and this whole time of their lives. Yeah, they did what they wanted to do, and they worked hard yep. to put this album together, and uh, they threw it up at the wall and said, "Hey, your right. record company, take it. If it's you know if it works, great. If it doesn't." It's okay with us.
0: Yeah, I think at this time, this is what we want to do. Yeah, they weren't getting the kind of help from the record company. I think that they were they got initially when their first album was so successful. Probably the the record company was all behind them. Oh yeah. And after Crest of Steel, they they might have been waning a little bit.
1: Oh sure, and well, is, they were waning a lot. Yeah. If this album failed, it was over. There would be no Something for Nothing podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, then that would be the the worst part of it, <laughs> right? <laughs> That would be the travesty of the, the travesty whole thing. The travesty of the whole
1: thing would be this podcast wouldn't exist. Can you imagine, Jared, if this podcast didn't exist no, how I the world can't. would I think I think the world would be just fine Absolutely. without
0: us. Yeah. Absolutely. And so would we. So but Yes. So yeah, something for nothing is is you know like a four minute song about themselves, I think. About all the hard work they've put into it.
1: Absolutely. I totally agree. So anything else, uh, Jer, about twenty one twelve that we haven't discussed uh, that we want to get into before we wrap this up?
0: Um, I don't think so. All right, good. I think so, I have exhausted my notes.
1: Perfect. Uh, so why don't we uh, throw it out to our listeners. If you have any thoughts on uh, what we just discussed, please email us at therushcast at gmail.com. Did you get uh, some emails uh, from some of our listeners, Jer?
0: I did. One of them was uh, a correction on something that I said, which I always love believe it or not
1: well that's the thing we would do want to point out that if if there's something we said that's incorrect and I'm sure we're going to I'm sure we're going to and I'm sure in this past half hour we have just let us know so what what did this yeah. listener have to say
0: Peter C he said uh, he, he thanked us for starting the show great which is great I love that he pointed out as I think that we realized after the fact I don't think we put it um, on a, a, any of the podcast so far was that Rush didn't start each tour with the song from that current album.
1: Is that what we said?
0: Yeah. Well, I, that's what I said.
1: I thought, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought that you said that the following tour, they I think started you with the song from the previous album.
0: I think I was saying that it was like the anthemic song from the album that opened up that. But in truth, I think is what, you, what you're saying is that the, they usually open up their concerts with a song that was the first song on one of their albums
1: no what i I think what i was saying is that for instance on the hold your fire tour they opened with the big money and on the presto tour they opened with force 10 they would go back to the previous album and play the song from that album
0: i see i didn't i didn't look into that (laughs) (laughs) that's probably that might be true that could be it
1: but anyway we thank uh what's his name Peter C. Peter C. Thanks, Peter C. For listening, and I hope you're still listening and uh, correct us on some more stuff. We love it. Absolutely.
0: Actually, that's what he said. I I, I went further down. He said on the Hold Your Fire tour, uh, they opened with Big Money. Presto, they opened with Fourth Ten. Test the, for Echo. They opened with Dreamline. So yeah.
1: There you go. There you go. So he's they, right. He oh absolutely he's right. And, and all, everyone else is right, and we're wrong. Well, I'm wrong. I'm wrong too. Believe me. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. Next time on the Rush Pad, you know what You know what we should do? What should we do? We should open it up to the listeners what album we should do next. That's crazy. Is that crazy? <laughs> Why don't we do that? Yeah, let's do that. We'll do a poll. We'll pick maybe four options and let our listeners decide which album we'll talk about next. Okay. Or email us and let, you, let us know what album we should do next. Sure. And then we'll, we may choose yours or we may just decide to do whatever we want.
0: Right, and if there's something on a certain album that you want to ask a question about that we could possibly answer or something you would like to hear us discuss about a certain song or a certain aspect of the album in general, let us know and we'll work that in.
1: All right, great. So uh, this was enjoyable, Jer. And until next time.
0: Oh yeah, until next time, Steve. You won't get wise with the sleep still in your eyes, no matter what your dream might be.
1: Might be a nightmare. I usually have nightmares, it's true. All right, on that note, talk to you next time. All right, see you.